can. Hallelujah. And the lid. There's no doubt about my Savior. I know he will. Ever it is. Yeah. I know he can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, he can. Hallelujah. That's the name of God in this place. Hallelujah. Let's give our women a praise, special choir a hand. Amen. Can we give our leader, Sister Barbara Gordon, a hand? Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Hallelujah. We honor the Lord today. We honor our bishop. Amen. We honor our first lady. And most certainly not least, we honor the Lord's people today. Amen. The Lord is good. We are going to be in the book of Judges this morning. Turn to the fourth chapter, Judges, chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9, verse 16, and then verse 23, and I'll repeat those. 1 through 9, 16, and 23. The Lord is good. This is the NIV version. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harosheth Hagoyim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at, the, at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Verse 16, Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harasheth Hagoyim, and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Verse 23, on that day God subdued Jabin king of Canaan before the Israelites. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you on today. God, we are nothing without you. This is your word. These are your people. And this is good ground. Now, Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that you'll speak. God, I'm just your vessel and your mouthpiece, Father God. I thank you, God, that the flesh decreases, God, so that you may speak. Have your way, Father God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about our topic today is you have a place. And I guess our subtopic is interrupting the cycle. You have a place interrupting the cycle. So if you've read your Bibles, you know that the book of Judges mostly tells the story of the Israelites, God's people, drifting away from him. And as a result of them drifting away from him, they were experiencing God's wrath. They were experiencing God's judgment. So I want to back up a little bit, if you'll allow me, uh, back up a little bit to Judges 2 so that we get a little bit of background so we can set this thing up. So if you look at Judges 2, 6 through 10, it recaps Joshua's death and what happens to the Israelites. So after Joshua dies, um, the elders that outlived him, they continue to serve the Lord. And they served the Lord because they bore witness to the Lord's goodness. They knew the Lord's goodness. However, after the elders who outlived Joshua died, another generation grew up who did not know the Lord. And they did not know the Lord's goodness. They didn't know all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. So this generation did not see the relevance of God. They didn't see the relevance of God like Bishop preached to us on last Sunday. So if you look at Judges 2 and 12, it tells us that they forsook God. They forsook the God of their ancestors and they worshiped other gods. So what happens, what happened was that the Lord became angry with them. He became angry um, and he allowed them to be overtaken by their enemies. Um, and he sold them into the hand of the Canaanites. So they experienced God's judgment. And in verse 16, it tells us that the Lord, at this time, what the Lord did was he raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of their enemies. So the Lord had compassion on them. Even though they did him wrong, he had mercy upon them. So the Hebrew word for judge is shofet, S-H-O-P-H-E-T, shofet. And it's defined as a military leader or deliverer. It's defined as somebody who brings others into right relationship. Right relationship. So if you look at judges, there's a, a cycle, a cycle that begins here with the judges. So number one, Israel sins and does evil in the sight of God. If you look at many of the chapters, it begins that way. If you look at 3, verse 7, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. If you look at the beginning of chapter 4, it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then the next part of the cycle was that it angered the Lord. It angered God. And then the Lord tested them by allowing them to be oppressed and dominated by a powerful Canaanite leader. So if we go back to Judges 2, verse 20 says this, Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel. And said, because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel. So he used those nations that they did not conquer under Joshua to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. The Lord has allowed, had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. So that is, that is part two of the cycle. So the third thing that happens in the cycle is, then, is that after they have been oppressed, you know what they do. They cry out to the Lord. 
they are in oppression for 10 years, 20 years, 15 years. They cry out to the Lord. And then what does the Lord do? In this cycle, in Judges, the Lord anoints and raises up a judge to lead them to victory over their oppressors. And so then what happens after that, because the Lord stepped in and interrupted that cycle, they enjoy a time of peace. But y'all know the Israelites, you know what happened. That cycle began again. It began again. So we read um, the account in Judges in the third chapter, um, the account of three of those cycles uh, with three judges that the Lord appointed, Othniel, Ehud, and Shamgar. Then we read about Deborah in the fourth chapter. We read about Deborah in the fourth chapter, and we want to focus today on Deborah's leadership. So Deborah was the only woman chosen to be a judge. So I want you to think about what kind of wisdom Deborah must have had to be the only woman to be a judge, okay? She was a spiritual leader, and a judge was also a civil leader at that time. So Deborah was also a civil leader at that time. So the scripture says that she was also a prophetess. That means that she was a mouthpiece for the Lord. She was God's mouthpiece. So she held court under a palm tree. That's what the word of God says. We just read that. And so what she did was she decided disputes among the Israelites as judges did. So the Lord chose Deborah for a reason. He chose Deborah for a reason. She was appointed by God to lead. She was appointed by God for leadership and to speak the truth. She was appointed to speak the truth. That's what a prophet does. And at the time of her leadership as judge, of course, the people were oppressed. They were oppressed by Jabin. He was a king in Canaan who ruled in a place called Hazar. So then the Israelites cried out for help after being oppressed for 20 years. Um, and the Lord then sends a word. He sends a word through Deborah, the prophet. And what he did was he told Deborah to summon Barak. Barak was a military leader. Um, and God used Barak to help deliver the Israelites from Jabin. So, as well as his commanding officer. So Deborah gave Barak the word from the Lord. And she told him that the Lord commanded him to go. And take 10,000 men and lead them to Mount Tabor. There Sisera and his army, they were going to meet their fate. Okay? He destroyed Sisera and his army. So Deborah spoke the word of the Lord, and it was. It came to pass. She did what the Lord positioned her to do as a leader. And so what the Lord is saying, and this is not a gender-specific message. Yes, this is Women's Day, but this is for the body as well. I will address the women, but this is for the body. So the Lord is calling us to lead. That's what he's calling us to lead, do, women of God, is to lead. So what is it that we can learn from Deborah? What can we learn about leadership as women of God from Deborah? So the first thing that I picked up, I, I read in the scripture, and I got really excited about what the Lord was saying, is that we have to be in position. And we have to be available. We can't just sit in the pews. There's work to be done. And so Deborah's position was what? That of a leader and a prophet. She was a mouthpiece for the Lord. She operated within her position. And she walked in obedience. She walked in obedience. So what is it that God has called you to do? Are you working within your position that God has put you in? See, the Israelites found themselves in a cycle because they weren't being faithful to the Lord. Do you know anybody who is in a cycle in their life where they're not being faithful to the Lord and they might need somebody to come in and interrupt that cycle? 
interrupt that cycle. So there's work to be done. Sometimes he might want us to speak a word of encouragement to that person to interrupt the vicious cycle that they're in. Sometimes he wants us to just say, hey, God has a plan for you to interrupt that cycle that somebody might be in. And he wants, ultimately what he wants us to do is point people to Jesus. He wants us to point people to Jesus because there's victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, so Deborah was a woman of wisdom, and she had to have wisdom to be in the position that she was in. And so we must operate in and share wisdom with these other generations. Now, I'm not saying that every generation is a wicked generation and every person in the generation is wicked, but there are some people out there who have been led astray, those who see God as irrelevant. And we might have somebody's deliverance in our belly, but we won't open our mouths to interrupt these cycles that we are finding these other generations in. So the Lord is saying that he wants us to embrace that power that you have on the inside of you as women. You guys have testimonies on the inside. We have testimonies, and we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. And somebody else can overcome by the word of your testimony if you would just choose to interrupt the cycle that they might be in right now. Amen. So we have to help people break some cycles that they're in. We can't just come to church on Sunday and go home. There's some work that the Lord wants to use us to do in the body of Christ. I don't know if you realize it or not, but people are in crisis. There's a crisis going on in our nation. There's a crisis going on in our society. And the word of God is on the inside of you. And you can speak some things into somebody's life. And you're not God, so you're not going to be able to do it. But he's going to use you if you are willing to be a vessel. There's something on the inside of you. You have a story. You didn't always serve God. You had a journey to get here. You had a cycle that you were in. Hallelujah. And somebody interrupted your cycle. Jesus sent somebody to speak into your life. He rescued you from the cycle. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so the Lord is saying, speak up. He said, open your mouth and speak up. Share your testimony. That means you got to tell folk all your business. But you know the word of God. All you got to do is tell the folk how to word, what it did in your life. You ain't got to tell them all your business. Tell them how you overcame. And you might be the person to break that cycle. Hallelujah in somebody's life. Glory to God. So you are called. We're called to do a work. You don't have to wait on him to say certain things because there are certain things he's already said in his word. Sometimes we're waiting on a special, some kind of special sign to come out of the sky to tell us to minister to somebody. And it don't take that all the time. There are times where the Lord will come to you and say things to you specifically. But he's already told you that you're disciples. And so you therefore know that your job is to disciple and to be a mouthpiece for the Lord. So you already know what your assignment is. And yeah, there's some specifics to your assignment. But you already know what the word of God says. So what the Lord is saying to us today is that we can't sit back and be passive anymore, church. Folk are dying, and they don't know Jesus. They don't know the Lord, and God wants us to lead. He wants us to lead, and being a leader don't mean you got to have a title. Leadership ain't about a title. It ain't got nothing to do with that. It's not something that's supposed to go to your head. 
if you notice, Deborah, Deborah just did what the Lord said. She just spoke the word of the Lord. You don't hear any extra. If you read in the book of um, the next chapter, Judges 5, it says it referred to Judges. It refers to Deborah as a mother of Israel. It does not mean that she physically birthed birthed them but what it does mean is that she held a place she was she had there was a standard hallelujah a standard that she lived by and because of that people flocked to her and they looked to her as the mother of Israel a person of wisdom you are somebody's mother out here you might not biologically have a child of your own but you somebody's mama you somebody's mama somebody needs you out there there's some young person it could be even somebody your age who needs your testimony, they need you to speak and say, it's okay, it's all right, the Lord has you. That there is a way, and this isn't the way. Sometimes we're afraid to say stuff to people because we don't want to offend folk. But sometimes we gotta, sometimes you got to offend folk to help them. And it's not that it's your intention, but it's because you have to be bold, and sometimes folk don't like that. And we don't always want, I know I, I don't want to step on folks' toes. I don't want folk to be angry. But what I do want is for folk to know Jesus. I want them to know who God is. And so, you know, we, we sometimes have folk that are in a very destructive cycle. And, and Lady Jackson was, uh, was speaking earlier, ministering earlier, and saying to us about, you know, places that people are in and how sometimes these people need mental health counseling. Sometimes people just need somebody to hold their hand. Sometimes we see people in destructive cycles of addiction of all kinds, alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever the case may be. Folk are in destructive cycles, and sometimes we bear witness to that, but we don't want to open our mouths and say anything. Um, and sometimes people just need you to pray with them. Sometimes they just need you to lift them up. Sometimes folk just need you to intercede. We got some people right here who need you to intercede. We got some folk right here in our own church that need you to lift them up. I didn't say talk about them. I said lift them up. See, folk don't want to come to you when they know you've been talking about them. There's a break, that, that's where a breakdown comes. Folk don't want to, folk not going to come to you if they know you've been talking about them. And we have got to have unity in the body first, in the local body, before we can say we're going out to minister to other people. We got to get the house together. So we talk about a united front. We got to do, there's work to be done for there to be a united front. There's some things that got to be changed and turned around in this place. We got to lift each other up. We got to come together. Keep your mouth off people and pray to God about people. It's simple. Just keep your mouth closed and talk to the Lord about what you see happening. You see somebody falling, but instead of you going to them and saying, how can I help you? What can I pray for? You talking to somebody else about their struggles. You know what it's like to struggle. You might not always tell folk, and folk not, might not be able to visibly see your struggle, but we all know what it's like to struggle with something and be in a, a, a cycle of destruction. But the Lord lifted us out of that cycle. He, he's been with us. Hallelujah. So the next thing we, we want to know about leadership that we, learned, that we learned from the Lord is that we need to lead with compassion. And I think I talked about a little bit of that already, but I, I really, I was looking at what the Lord revealed about his character during this time with the Israelites. And the first thing, obviously, that stood out is that he was merciful. He was merciful. So he continued to rescue his people even when they didn't deserve it. He continues to rescue us even when we don't deserve it. He shows us his love and his mercy. He is long-suffering. The Lord suffered long with the Israelites. The Lord suffers long with some of us. 
Amen. He suffers long. And finally, the Lord is compassionate. He's compassionate. So he sent his son, Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus came to interrupt the cycles of sin. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Where would we be if Jesus did not love us enough to interrupt the cycle? I don't know about you, but I'm glad he came in and interrupted the cycle that I was in of sin because I could not save myself. But I know a lover named Jesus who loved me enough to come in and say, that's enough. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so we got to show that same compassion to people. We got to show compassion to folk, y'all. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's what Bishop was just talking about. Love covers a multitude of sins. Hallelujah. So Galatians 6 and 1. Galatians 6 and 1 says this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Amen. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. I like this part a lot. It says carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So what he's saying is that you fulfill my law by loving my people. You fulfill my law by loving my people. Third point, lead with humility and love. Lead with humility and love. So we're going to look at Deborah. So if you look at the fourth chapter of Judges, where we read from, if you look at verses 8 and 9, Deborah told Barak what the Lord said. And this is how he responded. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. We call that conditional obedience. Okay? Conditional obedience. And so then Deborah's response to him was this. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you, have, you are taking... The honor will not be yours. The Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. And that woman was not Deborah. He delivered him, delivered um, them into the hands of Jael. Um, if you read that full chapter, you'll see that um, in, the, in the 18th verse. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. So Deborah could have rebuked Barak for his lack of faith and his conditional obedience. The Lord already told him that Sisera and his army were going to be delivered into his hands. But that wasn't enough for him. He wanted Deborah to go with him. But the thing about Deborah is that she didn't look down on him in his weakness or his failures. She said, yes, I'll go with you. She believed the Lord. She was a woman of faith. And maybe he just needed somebody with a little faith to go with him. He needed somebody with the spirit of God on the inside to walk alongside him. Sometimes folk around us need somebody with the spirit of God on the inside to come alongside them. Sometimes we forget that we've been where a person is. And we see us as up there and them as down there. Yeah, they had a baby out of wedlock, but back in the day, so did you. You didn't want to tell it, but so did you. Yeah, they had an issue with smoking weed. Maybe some of you did too. And we can't get to a place where we so high and mighty in the Lord that we forget where we came from. 
And we forget the cycle that he had us in. And I'm just being honest because sometimes we forget and we look down on people. And we don't pull them up with us. And we got to pull people up with us. So the last thing is, is to lead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lead by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord sent the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to empower you. So that you can walk in boldness and so that you can walk in obedience to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a place for you. There is a place, place for each of you. And the Lord, the Lord wants to use you. And then the scripture tells us that he has given you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. So when the Holy Ghost is nudging you, be obedient. You might have somebody's deliverance on the inside of you. And the Lord wants you to walk in obedience. And so I say to you as I, as I close, I say to you, and you can stand, um, are, you, are you willing to allow the Lord to use you? Are you willing to allow him to work in you to accomplish his purpose? He wants to use you. He wants to use us to lead other people to him. Um, he wants to use you to interrupt a cycle that somebody might be in. Um, he wants to use you on your job in the marketplace. He wants to use you in your family. He wants to use you in your relationships. Your life has significance whether you realize it or not.